podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 58 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike. I am Mike and with me as always is Hannah. How are you today, Hannah? I'm not too bad. I've managed to walk without crutches for the first time in, what, a month? Wow, you're like you're like Rocky Balboa banding at the steps of Philadelphia Library, Absolutely. aren't you? I'll um, be catching chickens before you know it. <laughs> you will, you'll be <coughs> choking chickens. bubbles and punching them. Oh, I forgot about the bubbles one. Which one's that one? Is that one from? It's uh, uh, number five. It's a five. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have him like... The real shit one. Yeah, yeah, they're going to have him punching smoke in the next one. <clears throat> but anyway, yes, we are back and we are... Continuing our way through season three of Marvel's Agents of Shield, yep. a little bit of behind the curtain here, but we're recording this um, before we have even posted episode fifty-seven. So as a result of this, uh, we don't have any feedback for the show, which is fine because that means that we can get into talking about the episode uh, more quickly. But I'm before, just, I'm just very keen to get to the sixty sixties. Yes, so, exactly. You know. So we're nearly we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Uh, so um, before we tell you about the episode we're covering this week, though, I will remind you that you can reach us through rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com uh, and we appreciate your written emails or you can send us mp3s if you wish uh, or you can reach out to us over social media at instagram and twitter uh, we are at rewatch proj that's rewatch p-r-o-j and if you listen to us on youtube then subscribe and like and do not forget to go over to we are pod syndicate to check out all the other pod syndicate shows namely the iron sequel film bastards his film her movie uh chin stroke vs splinter and Entertainment Landfill, so uh, do all of those things. But Hannah, which episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are we discussing tonight? Okay, so we are discussing Season 3, Episode 8, Many Heads, One Tail. Many Heads? Many Heads. Oh, okay, there you go. Many Heads, (laughs) One Tail. Yeah, no, the the, the middle one was probably the closest to... uh... Uh, the queens, this... the kings. <laughs> if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out speaking the kings. <laughs> the synopsis says dangerous facts about the ATC. Facts? <laughs> I swear you're oh, Are you doing this for like comedy? You're not I'm usually really, this Kiwi. I'm really not. <laughs> okay. So don't take the piss out of me. Fucking hell. <laughs> What's going on? Can you just stop taking the piss out of me, please? <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's Michael. See. James. Sorry. Right. I had to give you the look. You did. Right. Dangerous facts about the ATCU are discovered by the team. Ward's plans to take down S.H.I.E.L.D. do not go as expected. Oh, got it. Did you understand that? I understood every that single word. wasn't too strong And I realised that I am going to... I mean, yeah, yeah Mr. Mr. Sieg. <laughs> I don't think... Uh, <laughs> um... It's funny because I was thinking, like, I was trying to remember if I, well, trying to recall if I remember this episode. And I think the thing is, I mean, I don't, but I think the thing is, is because this season is very story arc Yeah. It's quite difficult, apart from the odd one, like the um, the Simmons Traps on the Alien Planet, it's quite difficult to differentiate the episodes. Yeah. Because it's, it's almost just like, oh, it's that part of the story. I think yeah. that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, this episode is directed by Gary A. Brown, mm-hmm. who he's directed before. Yeah, he did it in an earlier season three episode, I believe. Yeah, and written by DJ Doyle. Oh, cool. Good old reliable DJ. Good old Deej. And when did this air initially? Um, it aired... 17th of November 2015. Cool. Okay. Um, it's going to be weird. I was about to say, it's going to be funny when we almost catch up and we'll be talking about episodes that are on in like 2019 or 2020, but it'll probably be 2024. Yeah, exactly. So it will have lost all. Yeah, exactly. We'll look back at the uh, the halcyon days of 2022 with pandemics and broken backs. The third and, uh, year of pandemic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sore um, back, broken ankle. Yeah. Like, oh, Four my score God. and. Many accidents ago. Yeah, yeah, many maladies ago. Uh, Okay, well, let's let's not piss about. Let's get into it. So what we're going to do, listeners, is uh, we are going to hit pause. We're going to watch episode number... Which episode number is it? Eight. Eight of season three of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then we'll return to have a non-spoilery discussion of it. And then if we do get into any spoiler territory, um, we will make sure that we preface that very clearly. So uh, let's do this. Okie This podcast you're listening to, pretty good, isn't it? Only problem is, it's about halfway through. Pretty soon, it'll be over. And then what are you going to do? Well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to wearepodsyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, His Film, Her Movie, and What's On Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on The Bonus Shows. We now return you to your regularly scheduled Pod Syndicate podcast. Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Put putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie. It's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. So we have just finished watching Many Heads, One Tail, which is the eighth episode of the third season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Excellent play on words, too, because it's T-A-L-E, not T-A-I-L. Oh, oh that went over my head. Oh, did it oh. But yes, so we have just finished watching Many Heads, One Tail, and as you said before, this features dangerous facts about the ATC are discovered by the team. Ward's plans to take down S.H.I.E.L.D. do not go as expected. Hannah, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was good. Yep. It's a good solid 8 out of 10. Plenty of action. Plenty of momentum. Um, yep. More please. Bring cool. it on. Okay. It's, good as, it's setting up some pretty big things. Yep. 
What did you think? Um, I really like this episode, actually. And it's funny because this, this falls into the, the category of episodes that I don't normally like that much, which is the, uh, the chess piece spy espionage episodes. But I just thought that this one was just so well done. Yeah, that it kind of transcended that, and it's funny because, and I notice why you say I don't understand why you say this because Jed Whedon and Marissa Tenkaron get get credits on every episode. But slight correction: this episode was actually written by DJ Dahl and Jed Whedon. Oh, was and it? it's weird because this is the first episode that, that Jed Whedon's had a writing a writing credit on that wasn't with Marissa Tenkaron. Right. So what I think that was was I think that this was total guesswork here, but knowing how these shows work is that this episode was written by DJ Doyle but because there was so much there were so many story mechanic elements on there I think Jed Whedon's credit was probably just like right okay so we need to have this happen because this is going to happen and and showrunners always do that that's the funny thing is that um like when you I mean let's use um trying to think of a good example um Chris Carter created the X-Files um He's the kind of the Joss Whedon, the J. Michael Straczynski of the X-Files. He didn't write every episode of the X-Files. He mm. probably only actually has a credit for writing maybe four or five episodes each season. And there's like 25 episodes a season. But it's not like he was off eating sandwiches and then we'd come back and be like, so what have you guys written in my absence? Yeah, yeah. You know, any good episodes? He's there every day kind of going mm. through every script and probably rewriting them yeah. and telling them what where the storylines need to go, rubber stamping them, that kind mm. of thing. And that will be happening on this show is at the beginning of the season, the writer's room led by Jeffrey Bell, Jed Whedon and Marissa Tanker Owen will assemble all their writers and go, right, okay. And it's funny that, and I recommend this to everybody, that that 90-minute documentary that Seth MacFarlane released where it's him and the writer's room of Star Trek The Next Generation mm. just going through their process. Yeah, it was, um, was awesome. And... What they talk about is to say basically what they do is that they start off with 24 post-it notes and they'll literally be like two-parter, standalone, standalone, character episode, action episode and they'll literally map the season out that and then they'll go, right, okay, you take that post-it note, you take that post-it note, come back with something. Yeah. Then they'll meet again in a week and then they'll flesh it out. But ultimately, there are showrunners who make the decisions and who say, okay, so what we're seeing here is that the theme or story arc of this season is this. So maybe you need to go away and actually write an episode about Ward doing all of this stuff and they'll guide it. So although they're not getting... They're story editors. They're not yeah. getting credits on those episodes. But I think that... What I suspect happened with this episode is I think that there was so much of that. There was so much of one of the showrunners saying, right, okay, we need this to happen, we need this to happen, um, that it got to the point where they were like, yeah, you need to have a story writing credit on this episode yeah, yeah. because you're actually shaping the episode, not just telling us what to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's to the benefit of this episode because I think that um, all of the stuff that's happening is um i mean you don't have the release moment you know you don't have the kind of the climax moment of, of, of in this this is all st you know setting stuff that's going to happen but i think that it's done really cleverly and we'll get i'll get to this when we actually break down the episode but there's a couple of moments in this where i just thought oh that's good yeah you know um beyond just um double crossy uh, alias-esque yeah um te techno drama yeah, yeah 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 it's um 
but uh, no, I thought it was a really good one. And like I say, this this is it's not a, a quote a big episode. It's very much a regular standard episode that kind of moves a few things forward, introduces a new things. But, but I think as far as that type of episode goes, um, this is one of the better ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we get into the the breakdown? Yeah, as okay. it were. Um, okay. So so. Um, it's interesting because I, I don't think we really touched on this in the last episode, but the previously reminds us that the um, in the last episode that the, the the insignia or the hieroglyph or whatever you want to call it that we saw in the uh, the castle chamber um, earlier in the season um, we saw it both in the in the moment where. The shield agents themselves went there, but there was also, if you remember, that pre-credit sequence where it looks like they're making some kind of sacrifice, sacrificial uh, offering. Yeah. Um, that the 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 logo is similar to the customized um, NASA mm-hmm. logo, that uh, mission logo that Will was wearing. Yeah. Um, but when we get into the episode proper, we see um, the. Um, we start with a close-up of an octopus and the Powers Booth um, Malik character and Ward uh, having dinner. And um, I don't know if Powers Booth was ever in a Bond movie, but he fucking oh, he should, should have been. been. Yeah. I mean, he gives good soliloquy, you know. Um, like, I feel like he should have been the villain in, like, a Timothy Dalton Bond movie, you know what I mean? Like, that sort of, like, late yeah. 80s, early 90s. Um, but... He's just one of those guys. You can see why. I mean, he's very much a. He's a GGTMC actor. I he's mean, in sudden death. I mean, he's. I mean, he's. He's obviously a lot older in Agents of Shield than we're used to seeing him. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he was. He was probably in his prime as an actor in his like thirties and forties. Um, but even then, you know that. He's been. He does a voice in Ben Ten. <laughs> wow. Well, he's got a great voice. Yeah. You know, um, but he's one of those actors that, um, you know, I don't think was ever young. You know, it's Johnny no, Cash yeah. syndrome or Steve Martin syndrome. It's yeah. like there are certain people who, I yeah. mean, Christ. Just always been the same age. Basically. I'm probably older than he is in all the films that I remember him being in, like yeah. Tombstone and stuff, you know. Yeah. And um, But he, he would often play like... Um, some sort of corporate shit heel. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him play a good guy. Um, you no, know, I don't think I have but, um, but yeah, so we see him having oh, dinner. He's in, a, he's in a TV series called Skag. <laughs> wow. S-K-A-G. That doesn't sound like a compliment, it does it really? Just the weirdest. It's a combination of the words skank and slag. Oh, and, uh, Pete Skag. Skag. Oh, there we go, is his name. He's a 56-year-old union foreman of Pittsburgh Steel Mill. I feel like I need to pull you out of the Powers booth a little bit yeah, here, Hannah. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I mean, the, 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 you know, the booth cast um, is... Um, it's uh, in production. It is, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's, 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 it's in danger of cancellation, quite frankly, Hannah. I just, I just want to know... I want to understand the logic of the woman who gave birth to him and went yes powers powers is the name that I'm there's, going there's got to be and it's weird as well because it's ironic that he's one of the few characters in the show who doesn't have any powers <laughs> <laughs> so it's like <laughs> very odd in that regard what if you named your son John Jack yeah. powers yeah yeah yeah, and and like his brother's name is is just Peter or something. He's yeah. just he's just like oh great, I Where really. Where people am. visiting? Oh, 
Well, it's, it's like it's like, and I don't want to get into this in too much specific detail because I actually have friends who have done this, but it's not uncommon for firstborns to have a crazy name and the second one to have a sensible name <laughs> because they, a lot of parents, you know, they'll give their first kid a crazy name because they're like, hey, we're like fucking. Um, this like, is a novelty. We're like we're like Gwyneth and that Bell End from Coldplay. You know, we're going to call our kid fucking Tangerine or whatever it was that they Fruit called Bowl. it. Yeah, and um, apple. And but then it's apple, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then they they the reality of that hits them. Yeah. And they call their second child like Rachel or something, you know. <laughs> and so maybe that was it. Maybe like their first child. Maybe you've got Powers Booth, and then you've got like Kenneth Booth as like the uh, the, the second child. A... I don't think we went crazy with the. No, no, no. I think we we, we we were quite sensible. Yeah. But no. So so what? I mean, what... Magneto is fine. Isn't <laughs> Magneto is uh, Lando Calrissian. He's a perfectly reasonable <laughs> double barrel first name for a yeah. child. Um, so what comes out of this conversation is this, this idea that. Um, I mean, basically, what's happening is that is that, that Malik is kind of ah, oh, my young friending, yeah, uh, Ward. He's saying, "Look, you know, um, you think uh, you know everything, yeah, but you don't, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't know shit about shit, and pull up your goddamn pants, you know." <laughs> um, no, so I mean, what he talks about is he instantly knows that what Ward wants is access to the von Strucker vault, and you get the impression that this is this kind of mythical. Um, Ark of the Covenants esque uh, thing oh, very that you know, much so. like like yeah. um, Hitler, like Hitler's secret um, like um, bunker was was a thing. It's this, yeah. this idea that these uh, powerful evil geniuses have left some kind of legacy device or some kind of um, secret like cache of knowledge or hardware or something. You know, that's a historical literary thing that's existed, yeah. and. Um, that as a story element is introduced here in this episode uh, and again I've, I'm a bit of a broken record here but it's always good to point out these these through lines it's another um, kind of um, Indiana Jonesian uh, element as well the idea of um, some mythical um, power source or knowledge you know yeah um, uh, we get a brief shot of uh, Mark Dacascus, um as one of the toughs um um, and, and we'll see him at the end of the episode and see that he's actually an inhuman or seems to be an inhuman tough. And I want to mention Mark Dacascos because he's one of those guys where uh, I'm a big fan of um, 80s and 90s action movies. You know, people like uh, Billy Blanks and um, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, Billy Blanks will always be the Tybo guy. To yeah, me. yeah. Well, that, that's kind of, I guess that's kind of his legacy in a weird way. Yeah. Um, and... Um, you know, I mean, even people like, uh, you know, Eric Roberts as well. He was in a lot of those films too. And, of course, you know, Steven Seagal. And, uh, and one of those guys was Mark Dacascos. I mean, he was, um, I mean, he was like a, a championship martial artist from, like, the age of, like, seven. Mm. And he was, I mean, I think most people probably know him because he took over from uh, Brandon Lee as The Crow in the sequels oh, right, for those okay. films. And... Um, He's done a lot of stuff. He's in a really great film called The Brotherhood of the Wolf from the early 2000s. And uh, he's done a lot of, um, you know, straight-to-video action movies. But he was also... He, he's, got, he's got quite a prominent role in the uh, John Wick films. And also, I mean, he's... Um, in America, he's probably most famous for the Iron Chef. Oh, um, right. You know, he's... Uh, he's, <coughs> he's in he's that, nice. which is kind of like a weird... 
uh, latter day career kind of thing. But it was nice to see him crop up because he's one of those people who, um, and I know you won't agree with me here, but he's one of those people. Um, like, um, why do I always forget his name on this Scott podcast? Atkins. Like, like Scratkins, where you kind of you kind of feel like. He deserves to be in better films than no, the, the ones who's <laughs> you're so wrong on no, you are backing the wrong horse on this one. Um so um Malik turns his goons on Ward because he just doesn't really see him as being useful. Um but he underestimates Ward. Um he does. and uh, you know there's a little bit of scrappy punchy punchy and uh, Ward he takes does. him out. Yep. Um, Handy fighty. Handy fighty. And um, we see uh, Phil and uh, Rosalind um, put, uh, they're putting Andrew in amber, or at least that's what they're expecting to have happen. Mm -hmm. And um, we see Fitzsimmons collectively um, looking into the Ramshead logo that was, uh, you know, it's the classic case of, well, it was mentioned in the previously, so I'm guessing that's going to feature in. I mean, I know, I know, for example, that um, there's a lot of hardcore. Um, Star Wars fans who've been petitioning Disney Plus to make the previously fast forwardable like you know how um, the opening credits of shows you can flick past like skip mm. intro yeah. they're saying well we want to be able to skip the previously because sometimes the previously do kind of um, spoil it well yeah I mean particularly with like returning characters you know, it's like I mean, the, that was always the thing on Buffy. We've said that before about how it's like, oh, well, Faith's coming back in this episode. Yeah, 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 so exactly. back to something that yeah. happened like or, or, Yeah, I mean, ago. when Giles leaves yeah. and then suddenly he's in the previous season, yeah. like, well, there you go. He's coming back. We get a little bit of business between Lincoln and um, Daisy where he talks about how, you know, he's essentially moved in. He's now Team S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and he mentions about how they kissed as well, and they're going to talk about it. And she's just kind of like, "Look, relax, dude. Let's just you know let things play out. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, yeah, let's not psychoanalyze ourselves into you know romantic inactivity." But she's she's like well up for it. You can tell. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's absolutely. She's not playing it too cool. Mm-hmm. And and Mac talks to Colson um, about Rosalind as well. And basically, there's his concerns. He's like, "Look, you know, mm-hmm. are you shagging her? Basically, and if you are, um, is it an angle or is it romantic? Because either way." There's a problem. There's a problem. And, and Colson gets kind of offended and he's like, well, look, you know, would you even think I would do that? for nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and what he says to says is that um, he wants to trust her, uh, and um, but, you know, the only trusting spy is a young or dead. Mm. Um, and basically what you see here, and this is one of the reasons I like this episode, is I, I like the... Shield are actually ahead of the curve without yeah. everybody realizing it. Kind of episodes, yeah, and this, this I, I really like this. This two. does this, and basically what he says is, "Look, I want the re- I want to trust her, but I need to know." He's like, "We're spies, so we have to do our due diligence." Mm. Um, I mean, to him, um, screening the morality of a potential romantic partner is like doing a reference check mm. for most normal people for an employee, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, and so what he says is, right, what the rest of you need to do is go behind her back because we've now, now we've got sort of, you know, access to a certain extent to the ATCU. We need to use that to have a look into them, you know? Mm. And he gives a briefing to the team about this. And one of the things that I like about this episode as well is that it actually gives you a sense because we know that Shield isn't what it used to be. It used mm. to be this gigantic thing, um, and then it ended up at the end of the first season. It was like five people in a motel sitting around a swimming pool. The thing that I like about one of the things that I like about this episode and this scene is really kind of emblematic of that is it gives you a I think a really good sense of 
the scale of Shield at yeah. this point. The fact that it's kind of it's not huge, but it isn't just five people sitting around a pool anymore. No, you know they do have resources. Yep, and they do have. They've got money. They've got resources. Yeah, and when he's briefing people, it's like it's a hangar bay yeah. of people. It's yeah, no, it's it's uh, you know he's got a team. Yeah, and 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 I think you could assume that that was the case, but I think it was a wise choice. For, for the producers to actually go, you know what, we need to actually show this mm, show so people scale. know what, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so he wants to know, um, you know, what uh, what they want. And he and he, he thinks that, that Roz, as he started calling her as well, uh, which should be a sign, trusts him and he wants to know if it's mutual. And I like the fact that he turns around to Mac and he's like, does that alleviate your concerns? Now I've yeah. been a cold-hearted bastard <laughs> about this, you know. I kind of love the fact that Mac doesn't go oh yeah that's great he he says well it just throws up more questions yeah just different ones um and i think that speaks to his character a lot because he's not looking for Coulson to be a bastard he's just looking for good solid leadership with a definite plan and a course of action that he can follow but where the complication comes in though is that mac wants morality as well yeah and the problem is they're spies. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And that's a conflict that that he has to struggle with. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's Coulson's burden as a character, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, and that's covered a lot. I mean, I really... Um, Edward James almost in the Ronald Moore Battlestar Galactica does a lot of that stuff really well, that kind of, you know, you want to be nice, you want to be kind, but at the same time, you're responsible for uh, people's lives. But, yeah. And sometimes you have to, to play when, the numbers. When you trying to be a friend that's usually when someone gets killed yeah exactly and um so what we see we see ward being a psycho and being all kind of kind of mr tortury blowtorch with the guys because what he wants to know is we learn that he already knows the location of uh the various von strucker strongholds but what he doesn't know is which one is the one that has the pay dirt which is the important one which is the one in germany as it turns out yeah um we see Ross, as I'm going to call her from now on. Um, come, she comes to Shield, so you know it's going you know, to guess who's coming to dinner. Um, and I think it's funny that we see we see a moment where, and it's the guy I was asking you about the what the actor who was in New Girl, um, mm. who's one of the ATCU agents. We oversee, we overhear a conversation of them talking about an episode of Roseanne. Like they're talking about, oh, and Darling was really funny in that episode. Oh. And I was like, what a weird thing. But then I forgot that the first thing that Joss Whedon ever wrote was Roseanne. Oh, really? That was his first ever writing gig, was writing for, for that show. So I feel, feel like that's a little kind of... Uh, yeah, it's it's, a, it's just a silly little kind of like moment. But I just thought, wow, they're having a conversation about Roseanne. What the fuck? And then I was like, <laughs> Whedon? Okay, yeah, I get yeah. this. Um, so, oh, hang on, sorry. My, my phone keeps trying to do my facial ID every time I unlock it, but I've got my fucking glasses on. Um, so... Um, Basically, what we see is that Bobby and Hunter um, are scamming the ATCU uh, to... Uh, they're pretending to be FBI agents who are coming in um, to... Um, and basically, what they want to do is um, they want to access their networks. Yeah. Um, we, we're cutting between that, and we start to get a um, bit of business, an escalating bit of business between Fitz and Simmons, where they're talking about how... Um, Will was sacrificed. They're starting to understand that there's this almost kind of Masonic, um, satanic, uh, ancient... Almost um, like a gift to the gods. Yeah, yeah, like a druidic kind of thing going on here. And that Will 
was not there as an explorer, but he was there as kind of bounty. He was the land to the slaughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, him and his teammates, yeah. because there were five of them, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. And um, we see... Um, Ward on a plane, decompressing uh, and parachuting out as well. So, I mean, what we're getting here is we're getting lots of reminders that Ward is evil because I think that, um, and we talked about this at the end of the last season as well, that they, they, they came a point where I think even in season two, they were still toying with the idea of possible redemption mm-hmm. for Ward. And I think that what's happened is the writers got to a point where they're like, well, we're not going to do that. And I think that when they made that decision, they decided they they were just going to have fun with it, yeah, and just be like, right, okay, well, let's give this actor and um, you know that we like, who is probably not going to be on the show forever now because he's the villain, and villains generally don't have the longevity yeah. that uh, the heroic characters have. So let's just give him um, some you know some scenery to chew, and yeah. you know, um, so so what we're getting as well from all this stuff with Fitz and Simmons too is that they're, they're talking about like portals and uh, blood offerings being put through the portals. Um, Simmons gets an update that um, um, Fitz keeps trying to... uh, Sorry, misread that. Simmons gets upset that Fitz keeps trying to do the right thing. I think basically what she wants is she wants... She wants an emotional outburst from him. She wants him to fight for her. Exactly. And um, he's being so reasonable... And she's obviously feeling a little bit of guilt as well and wants to alleviate some of that guilt through yeah. confrontation. Yeah. And he's not doing that. Um, and um, Because he can see it from her point of view. Like, he can see being trapped, not knowing if you're ever going to leave yeah. the place and falling in love with someone. But some of it, though, is just bottling it up and being British. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she's like, no, come on, you need, we need to have this. Yeah. And um, we, we learn, and, and this is funny, that in a really kind of brief exchange, there's a scene um, between uh, Rosalind and Coulson. Mm. And there's a couple of things that are funny in this scene, is the fact that she, she talks about, oh, you've got lots of Golden Age memorabilia from S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's a reference to the fact that the... the the different eras of Marvel, the comic books, you've got the Golden Age, the Silver Age, and the Bronze Age. Right. And um, Shield were introduced during the Gold Age of the Marvel comics. Right. So that's a kind of nice, a, kind of like a little meta sort of reference to that. Yeah. Um, and also, we kind of get the origin storyline really in a really throwaway bit of dialogue as to how Coulson came into Shield. Like he talks about how he's into history, and we know this from the films. You know, he collects the. Um, baseball cards. Baseball cards and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And he's got the old car as well. He's obviously got a um, like a retro. He talks about analog and vinyl and all these kind of he's things. He's got a very 50s. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, basically, that's how he came to be um, recruited. You know, he was mm. a history buff and he started to kind of connect the dots and realize actually that, that S.H.I.E.L.D. were responsible behind the scenes for all of these key historical moments and that was he got discovered by shield because of that he popped up on the radar and that's how he got brought into the fold colson as i say talks about being really into things that are tactile and analog and vinyl but also there's that makes sense um because of infiltration like i mean again i'm gonna i'm gonna mention battlestar galactica again here one of the things that's great about that is that the opening episode of Battlestar Galactica, and I'm saying this for the audience because I know you've seen this, Hannah, mm. is you've got all of these battle stars, and they're all destroyed by the you know the villainous Cylons, and all of humanity is destroyed. And the only thing that saves the Galactica is the 
Adama, the uh, Edward James Olmos character, refuses to have um, networks on his ship. Right. So everything is analog. Like he's got he's got telephones. Yeah. And stuff. And because of that, they can't. They don't get hacked, and they're the only survivor. Right. And there is a certain tactical sense to having analog technology because you can't tap into it. Yeah. You know, and so the idea. And this really defines the character of Coulson that you've got this the personal and the professional. They're the same to him. The, 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 in the same way that you get people who are very fastidious and like you know code breakers, and they love that. That even if they weren't code breakers as a profession, they'd just be doing it because they've just fucking you know got that in them. Yeah. And then the army discover that and think, wow, let's use this. But yeah. they're really not doing it for the army; they're doing it for themselves. Mm. You get the feeling that Colson's that kind of guy. Yeah. That he is just fascinated with history, and he likes his. Um, retro futurism and all these kind of I things mean, his, his life is shield it's, yeah it like but he lends himself to that yeah absolutely but it's like he may as well he be wants his life to be within the walls of shield like it means everything to him mm. well it's almost as though if he wasn't in shield he'd still be doing the same shit yeah he just wouldn't be doing it for a reason so what he we might what, start his own group badge <laughs> yeah yeah umbrella um <laughs> So, so what we see is that the, the what what's happened is that the ATCU have unwittingly given Shield remote access, yeah, uh, because they are not analog like Coulson. Actually, I've only just made that connection in my mind. But it's funny that this conversation that, about vinyl and all these sort of things that Coulson and Ross are happening, we're seeing the opposite consequence mm. of that at the ATCU, where they are super reliant on networks and ADSL and all these kind of things, and um. I like the fact that um, Hunter's uh, access code is God Save the Queen. Yeah. And it's funny as well because that's such a... He's like the slowest uh, typing. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I love the fact that uh, British people are only, apart from asshole rednecks, are generally only patriotic when they're not in England. Yeah. It's this weird thing. Like, I couldn't give a fuck about being English, but suddenly, you know, send me to New Zealand, I'm all about the fucking mushy peas all of a sudden, you know? And it's this weird thing that happens, yeah. you know. Um, Actually, that's very true. I I could probably count on one hand the amount of times you had mushy peas when we lived in England. I had them loads, but it just never came up because they were just, they were available. Like, I mean, you... Yeah, um, but you didn't have them that often when we t- lived together. You turn on the taps in England and fucking mushy peas come out of them. Not <laughs> you know? house, no. Yeah, you've got the mushy pea tap, <laughs> you've got the gravy tap, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, so so um, we, we get we see Lincoln with May as well, and it's funny as well because when they um, assign the mini teams. May says that she wants to go with Lincoln. And Lincoln's basically scared of May. He thinks, you know, yeah. she's been kind of, um, you know, giving him the silent treatment in the corridors and all that kind of stuff. And um, he thinks that she, um, you know, because of what happened with Andrew, he's like the poster child for the Inhumans, so she blames him. And, um, you know, so, that's, so they get linked up and we'll have another scene with them in a moment. Uh, Fitz and Simmons argue uh, because he isn't angry and he talks about how basically, look, we're cursed. You know, the, cos- the cosmos wants us apart. And he says to her, you know, did you love him? And she says, you know, yes. And then he goes, 
And he kind of gives her what she wants here. He becomes just pissy man. Mm. You know, he's like, well, he's strong and smart, so of course you do. And then, then they kiss, and he, it's kind of, it's, it's their first kiss, but it's not the first kiss they would have wanted. I like the fact that he kisses her to kind of go, well, here's what you're goading me for. Yeah. You know, have it. And then they pull apart, and then she kisses him, yeah. which is like, yes, okay. They're both into it. Yeah, but then he says again, we're cursed. Yeah. And walks off. He's yeah. kind of like, why couldn't we have done this a year ago? You yeah, know? yeah. And um, Malik goes to see Andrew. Um, and, you know, there's a bit of a, a fake out here because we think that Bobby's walking in the room to see him. Mm. And then we, we, you know, we learn that there's a little bit of subterfuge going on. Yeah. Um, and, and Malik says to him, you know, and it's interesting because Andrew's still, we, we mentioned this in the last episode, even in his Andrew estate, there's still a little bit of lashiness yeah. in his personality. Yeah, yeah. And Malik is able to feed into that by saying, well, did they ask you if you wanted this treatment? You know, yeah. So he's kind of radicalizing him quite easily. Yeah. Um, Bobby finds that Andrew is not there. And it looks like they're not even working on a cure. Uh, Banks, the freaky looking, um, slightly like snoky looking guy turns up. We finally get an oh bollocks from Hunter as well, which you've got to have any British character say. Yeah. Uh, and what we see, what we learn is that it looks like they're actually giving people the terrigen. The that they, that, that, that yeah. they, it seems like the ATCU. Yeah. And this is a carryover from the last episode. We, we're, um, Rosalind has that call with Malik saying, I'll get him to you know, I'll get him to you as soon as Yeah, and we're like, Oh, this is just going on. And you're like, Oh God, she's setting Coulson up. Yeah. Um and I like the fact that that's kind of a fake out. Like she it turns out she is unaware of his nefarious (laughs) side. The idea that Malik is this fringe um character who this fringe radical who has actually been manipulating ATCU yeah. is probably the story element that makes me like this episode so much because I just think that's really clever. Yeah. I think it's really clever that we've for the first half of this season we've had this tension between Shield and ATCU, and I, I kind of I'm I'm this episode made me made me eat my words a little bit because you know how I said that it felt like oh we've had all this before we've had the kind of the waspy dark-haired woman who yeah, yeah. who's sort of the anti-Coulson, should we trust, shouldn't we trust? But what I've realised, because I've forgotten this element of storyline, is that they were kind of using that to fuck with us. Yeah. That actually, she has been duped along with Coulson. Um, and I think that the, the similarities between her and the Saffron Burroughs character were deliberate sort of um what's the word magicians do it do it to trick you it's the um what's the phrase i'm looking for um i know i can't think of hang it. on i have to think about this i'll edit misdirection. it misdirection yeah it's like that was deliberate misdirection mm. i like the fact that um when you see the kind of the the setup in this episode you see the the double crossing um, you realise that the conversation Rosalind had in the last episode, she's talking about getting Andrew yeah. to Malik, not Coulson to Malik. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And, and this is really emblematic of the show in the way that it, it doesn't have the, the same kind of complexity that your Better Call Saul's or 
You know, those are the type of shows I have. But at the same time, fuck, you've got to keep up, you know, um, with the... You uh, do have to remember who's who and who they work for well, and where they are. It's and not that it's complex. And you said this about Babylon 5 when we were comparing it to The Expanse, and I think mm. that it was a really good analogy, well, a really good um, observation, was Babylon 5 isn't complex, but you've got to pay attention. Yeah. You know, and there's a difference between density and complexity. Yeah. Because often complexity is a negative side effect of bad storytelling or unclear storytelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, 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 yeah, overcomplicating or underclarifying, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, this, this show does it really well. So so what we see is that basically, or what we learn is that, that, that they, and we think at this point it's ATCU, we don't realise that it's, it's Malik's fringe infiltration of the ATCU, yeah. um, are trying to turn people. So basically, Ros- Rosalind needs to convince him of the truth or she will never leave the room. That's what he says yeah. to her. And he's like, stop lying. And, and basically, you know, we're, we're seeing her being kind of horrified by his mistrust. And we cut to May, and we learn that actually she wants to apologise to Lincoln. That's where her yeah. her stoicism has been, the root of her stoicism is. And I like that because it shows that, it, it sort of reinforces that, okay, yes, she's a badass and will chop you down the minute she has to. But she... Um, she does have a heart. Yeah, and she's not above she saying is, she was wrong. Yeah, she is fair and she does, yeah, like you say, she does cop it when, when she's wrong. Well, she, like, expects, she, won't, she expects... She won't blame it on somebody else. She yeah. will take, t- you know, take a drink. Well, she she, she right. expects the same from herself that she expects from other people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. and, and well, well, fairness, like you say. Um, and basically what she says is, you know, that Andrew tried to kill him and did kill some of his friends. And that yeah. is, you know, that is apology worthy. And she didn't see that, you know, yeah. her job is to spot people. And she's still, you get the feeling she's still quite kind of haunted from not sussing Ward yeah. as well. So this is the second time that she's let somebody get close to her. And she, and it's different as well, because, you know, with Andrew, that he was the victim of that as much as she was. Yeah. He didn't ask for that. Um, Ward's different, I guess, but to her, it's still, um, you know, she's putting it on herself. Yeah. And um, we um, we see that um, Hunter, Hunter basically does a legger when he realizes that the snooky looking guy's there. And one of the things as well, and this is a nice callback to things earlier on in the season. And there's a couple of things like this where, so for like for example, that pre-credit sequence earlier on in the season where we saw that sacrifice happening, that's starting to come into focus here as well. And also the oblique reference to Tahiti that Rosalind made earlier on in the season, that makes sense here because that's kind of the, the Rosetta Stone of... Colson's case against her in his mind. He's like, you know, only somebody who is fucking sketchy would know that. Yeah. Um, well, because he knows the people who had access to that information. Well, Hydra. Yeah. It's like to know that you must be Hydra. It's not widely known. Yeah. 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 So that's the, that's sort of the smoking gun in his mm-hmm. whole sort of, um, you know, um, speculation. And uh, he wants to know her, her Hydra source for this. And this is where I think as the audience, we start to realise that she's been duped as well because she seems confused uh, when about finding that they are creating in humans. Like, yeah. And then 
she talks about how she gets weekly reports from Gideon Malik, who works on the World Council. And this is a direct reference to his role in the first Avengers movie. Yeah. You know, where we see that World Council and we've got um, Powers Booth and I think um, uh, Jenny Agatha and a few other, yeah. you know, elder states people actors in there as well. Um, and she talks about how he's a friend and how he oversees the science division of the ATCU and that it was him that gave her the Tahiti intel. So basically what that tells us is he's Hydra. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the moment the in the only, episode. The only thing that sort of stuck with me in a bad way was for the leader of a department, I would expect her to, um, like if, if someone's told her that, oh, we don't want your staff going on these particular floors... If that was Coulson, he'd still want to know exactly what was on those floors and see them in a quarantine suit or whatever. But that is unusual, and he used to get shit for that when he was in Shield. The whole idea of like the uh, you've got level you're level six or you're level seven, and yeah. But if you're the director, you should have access to all of that information. So for someone to come to you and say, "Don't go on these two floors because there's an infection." you know just leave it to me i don't think as the director of a department you would be fine with that and i think think that that's that's why the writers that's they've done it like that for ease rather than i kind of disagree with that because i think that that's why the writers had her say that he was um a lifetime friend because i think that the idea there is and this is may arguably cheating a little bit is that um, that was how she was manipulated. Right. And that's why she's kicking off at Colson so much is because she's like, oh, great. You know, I've been fucked over by two people who I thought I could trust. Like, she's kind of the victim here. And I think that that, that was the moment. The moment where, and I just think this is good writing, is that we know that anybody who was connected, who knows about Tahiti, essentially must be Hydra, really. Yeah. Um, we know that she knew that. We know that she's working with uh, Gideon. Um, and we know that Coulson mistrusts her. But in the space of several scenes, we learn that she was manipulated through her role and through her friendship to trust him. We And we now know that he is doing all this other stuff. And then we learn that it was him that planted this seed about Tahiti with her. And I just think that that's one of those... That's just great writing. It's like that the moment I always talk about in Manhunter, the Michael Mann film, the moment where the William Peterson character's just running all the evidence through his head, and suddenly he has that moment where he realises that the killer has to have worked in the photo companies that you've yeah. seen these. And the and the thing, the, the 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 great sleight of hand that Michael Mann has in that moment is, and you never know whether this is going to work, but it does, is the character and the audience suss it out at exactly the same moment. Yeah. And it's such a powerful thing when that happens and it's such a, a trick. And I think this episode kind of does that. I think the way that it makes the the audience go, oh, at the, mo- at the exact mm-hmm. moment that the characters do, yeah. is always a pleasing thing when it's done. And I think that elevates, the, that's what I think elevates the episode a little bit. Um, but so... Um, I like the, 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 that uh, Hunter makes a reference to um, 
Bobby's battens. He's like, really, your battens? That's the best you've got. It's like, I'm, I'm glad it's not just us that have noticed her propensity for that. Um, I like the fact as well that um, when it comes down to it, when Rosalind has had this realization and she now, now, now knows what's going on, she's like, oh, okay, I've been duped. This is what's happening. This is why Coulson thinks I'm involved in it. I know I'm not involved in it, but he doesn't. Yeah. And what she says to him is, look at me. Look at me. I am telling you the truth. Yeah. And the fact that they actually do manage to relate to each other as human beings. And she knows that he probably has a really good bullshit detector. Yeah. And there's an unspoken well, thing in does. that moment where he do, he looks at her and he's like, all right. Yeah. You know, okay. Um, I, you, nobody can lie that well, you no. know? And um, Apart from Ward. Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, I'll never forget the lie detector scene with him and that nail. <laughs> yeah. Oof. And um, so basically what she says to him is, look, look, your agents are in danger. If what I think is happening, you need to trust me. Um, and we see the sort of snoky looking guy bust them out. So that's the moment where the audience are like, oh, okay, ATC, you are quite good. He's a goodie. And, and uh, like I say, in the last episode, I think it was interesting that there was a moment where none of the S.H.I.E.L.D. characters were around. And you saw Rosalind saying to her people, look, give the S.H.I.E.L.D. guys full access here. Yeah. And... I think that was kind of the moment where the, the writers were telling the audience, actually, they're okay. They're fine, um, yeah. We'll let you in on this, but Coulson doesn't know this yet. And it yeah. was one of those kind of like um, meta-knowledge moments. Yeah. So we see Ward get into the vault. He, he, he finds Malik in there, who's kind of impressed. And you get the feeling as well that Malik didn't have any grand plan, any sort of grand solicitous plan for Ward I think he just saw him as being a bit of an agent of chaos that he needed to take care of yeah um but now he's kind of like you know uh you know you had my interest now you have my attention it's, it's that kind of thing going <laughs> yeah. on there and um uh, he says that basically um what he says to Ward was that um maybe you could be Hydra's second um head and what he says is that Hydra is older than the Red Skull it's, it's as ancient as this stone and he shows this sort of like you know Part carving of the monolith. Of, yeah, part of the monolith. And basically what he says is it's a portal to another world. Um, and we, we cut across to um, um, Rosalind mentioning that sort of Ma Malik was consulting for NASA. So we as the audience who have all of this information are starting to put things together like, like oh, okay. Basically, he's he's part of the this crazy Freemasons. And um, what what he talks about then is that um, well, what we learn is that thousands you know thousands of years ago, uh, you know a fearsome inhuman was sent to another planet, um, and Hydra was essentially created. I mean, this is seismic as far as the MCU goes. Hydra was created to engineer its return. Yeah, and that's why Malik is now fascinated with Shield because they've managed to bring some. They've managed to do what. Hydra has been spending a thousand years trying to do, which is to bring somebody back from yeah, there. Yeah. So that's made Fitzsimmons the two most valuable people in the universe yeah. to them. And um, he talks about how the entity has been given different names, but every generation has sent a man through um, to to try and you know to either to serve the leader on the other side or to bring them back. Yeah. Um, we get a little bumper scene at the end with Andrew and Ward. And I like the fact that there's a, beat, a moment's beat and Ward's like, that's a lot to take in. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to yeah. give me a moment. Yeah. Um, and we see Ward go to see Andrew as well at the end to uh, 
you know, try and uh, entice him into joining the cause. So, uh, yes, Hannah, or, final or thoughts. Trying to basically bring on Lash. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, sorry, final thoughts. Oh yeah. Uh, my final thoughts are: I enjoyed it. I want to. I part of the reason that I'm so keen to record every couple of days is because I really. I really enjoy the storyline and, and I think I'm really looking forward to season four as well. Yeah. So You just want to keep watching. I just want to keep going, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I find, that um, once you start watching it regularly, it kind of snowballs. Like, in between seasons, you and I would put off starting to watch a new season for quite a while. Mm. And you forget the little details as and, well. Yeah, and you kind of be like, oh, I'm not really in the mood for that or... We'll start it later, and then you start watching it, and it's like, oh god, I, I, I must have. Yeah, it has one. like an accumulative sort of power about yeah, it, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, and and I just think that's what's happening here. It's, it's, I'm just really into it, and I want to, I want to watch more. Cool. Okay. Well, whilst you bring up the details of the next episode, I'm just going to remind our listeners to send us feedback uh, at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com and also find us on Instagram and Twitter at rewatchproj. Also go over to wearepodsyndicate.com and check out the podcasts there, uh, many of which you will have heard promos for in the breaks of this episode. So Hannah, what are we talking about next time? Next time, the season three, episode nine episode is called Closure. Um, Synopsis says, Ward's vendetta and plan for revenge against S.H.I.E.L.D., brings the team to their knees and Coulson proves he will be willing to do anything to settle the conflict. All right. So we will be back with that um, probably quite soon, judging by how we've been doing recently. So, Absolutely. Uh, and I just want to say it's directed by Kate Woods, who's an Australian director. Mm-hmm. And it is written by... Did Brent Fletcher. Excellent. Solid, solid stuff. So we will see you then, guys. Bye-bye. See you later. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.